0: Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb would rescue the souls of men? God
1: we appreciate that. All right. Hope you're in your Bibles now. at 2 Timothy chapter 23. While I'm getting this microphone on, I uh, want to remind you. Did I say 2 Samuel 23? Well you know why? Because we're going to Timothy here in a minute. I just looked at it. Okay. All right. Now some of you are shaking your head at me. You don't get up here and do this very much. So you, you would do worse than me. I, I guarantee it. Okay. Uh, 2 Samuel 23 is where I want you to be, but you'll be going to Timothy in just a little bit. Um, We're having the Lord's Supper tonight, church, and so uh, that's a six o'clock service, and uh, that's always a sweet time. And so be ready for that if you would. The deacons will prepare that, and we'll partake in that after some instruction. All right, I have a verse I'm going to read for you out of Ezekiel, and then we'll read our text this morning. Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 30 says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but have found none. Sad, sad text. Second Samuel chapter 23 in verse 11, And after him was Shema the son of Aege, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together in a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. I want to preach today on a great need in our churches, of course, in our land today, is a man to stand. In other words, Christian people that will stand up for God. Okay, but my title today is a man to stand. Let's pray. Lord, help us in this service this morning, and be in the service with the deaf as well, and be with the children and those uh, those adults ministering to them as they have church. We pray that these services today would glorify Jesus, and I pray, Father, that you would help me in the delivery of this message. We thank you for the visitors that have come our way, and, and we pray that you'd encourage and bless them. But Lord, be with this whole congregation today. Stir our hearts, if there be anybody here that knows not Jesus, as Savior. Father, I pray that you, would, uh, you and the Holy Spirit would work on their hearts and draw men and women, boys and girls, to, to Christ. Lord, help us to see some folks saved Uh, Lord, in our church, through our witness, and Lord, uh, with your help, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. A man to stand. Uh, How many of you this morning, do me a favor, you were, in 1974, you were not yet born. Would you raise your hand? Wow. All right, there's a lot of you. Well, in 1974... I trusted Jesus as my savior. I did not know then what my little simple prayer to God would bring to my life. I really didn't. I didn't understand fully everything. I just called on him and asked him to save my soul and change my life. Well in 1976 I met this young girl, uh, well I met her uh, prior to that at A&W over there on Ford Road in Garden City. And, and she became my wife in 1976, and we started out in this wonderful life together. Been married 41 years now, and uh, we began to attend this church as a young couple. We were both 19 years of age, and we came in here, and people were kind to us. And and, and through the years, through instruction, teaching of God's word, and preaching, of course, uh, we built up in our faith. We had a greater faith, and. We had a resolve in our young hearts to follow Jesus. 1977, the Lord was dealing with me about my life being committed to him. And I had not yet been scripturally baptized. I balked for a while. I was raised Catholic. And so in my heart, I was thinking I already been baptized, but it wasn't scriptural baptism. According to the word of God, a little baby doesn't know what they're doing. And followers of Christ are told in scripture to be baptized. And uh, so finally, I submitted to scriptural baptism, and I began to grow in the Lord by leaps and bounds. Now in 1978, the Lord called me to preach. I come to know the Lord uh, at 74, and in '78, I was called to be a preacher. so almost 39 years ago, be 40 years here pretty soon, a decade, if you would. And I bring all that up to say, years ago when the preacher first asked me to preach, I was searching for a text to preach, and I I came upon Ezekiel 2230. That was my first message, my first uh, attempt to preach, and uh, the text says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me in the land, that I should not destroy it, but he says, I found none. He couldn't find a man to stand. Uh, Funny note to that, there might be two or three people, I'm not sure, maybe two or three people in here that were there that day. I don't know. Cal and Lisa might have been here. Uh, Elaine, is Elaine here today? No. She might have been here. So there are not too many that would remember this, but there used to be a a cross pulpit here. And uh, I, I had my three by five cards. I had about 75 cards, if I remember right, something like that. I wrote on the front and back of them. You know, I had color coded them way back then. And I put them on that pulpit right there and I was trying to be like my preacher my preacher probably weighed I don't know I don't know he's a big guy I'm 200 under your business but anyway he am at the time at the time I was about 160 pounds and uh, I was trying to be like the big preacher and I'm preaching and you know I'm trying to give him my all and I I hit the pulpit like he hit the pulpit when I did that my cards went everywhere and I didn't even know what I was preaching. So I, but you know it was a blessing because that day everybody got out early and they told me what a great preacher I was. And so don't get your hopes up today, okay, because that ain't happening. But see, I can go back to that text. and I, I can't recall really preaching out of that text. Maybe another time mentioning it or whatever. But that was the very first time. And that text spoke to my heart. The other day I was reading along these lines. And it grabbed me again. God's looking for a man. He's looking for people. He's looking for a man, a woman, a young person that'll stand for him. But here's the sad part. But he found none. The same truth way back then in in the prophet's day, way back there 40 years ago almost when I first preached that text, first message. Till today, there's a lot of people not standing for the Lord. And God is seeking for some people that'll stand for him. Amen? and make a difference in this world. And God is looking for us to make a stand against uh, family, if we have to. Against friendships, if we have to. uh, Against other Christians that may, they they just don't want to, they don't want to surrender to the Lord themselves, so they're very critical about taking any stand for the Lord. Now, we're in an atmosphere in in our current time that's dominated by much darkness. We know that. You know, the more you're in darkness, the more you don't notice how dark it is. And too many of God's people, if we're not in the book, amen, and we're not on our knees as we ought to be, then we're, we're kind of groping around in that darkness. And sometimes we don't even know the direction we're heading for in our life. And we're living in a very, very dark day. Dominated by sin and sinful people. And I remind you that the Lord said, ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. God's looking for a distinction in his people. He's looking for a difference in his people. He's looking for a people that will stand for him. And few people seem to stand for the Lord as much as they used to. At least in my opinion, in my short span of like almost 40 years, I've seen some big changes at the house of God and with the people of God. And so I'm trying to motivate us to understand that God's looking for a godly people. And that'll be a godly influence in this world that we live in today. And again, fewer and fewer people are willing to make that stand. God said, I want you to stand in the gap for me. In my place. And uh, we as Christian people, people ought to see Jesus Christ in us. They ought to see something different about us than other people. Now, a few want to come out of their comfort zone to do that. Fewer yet want to be a witness for Christ. Don't speak of his name. Don't bring him up at work. Don't bring him up to anybody in the family. It's a shame, but we're really back where we used to be. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. He looked for someone to stand in the gap, but he found none. So we have to question ourselves today about our own stand. Few are willing to associate with the church today. More and more. Listen, I make visits of people that visit church and more, less and less people want to be affiliated with the church. They, they, they don't think there's a need for the church. They don't think that the church has any kind of authority over them. And it's a sad day. And uh, let alone be separated under the Lord and to the church and serve God. Amen. And so God is still looking today for the someones that will stand in the gap and make a difference. I told you 2 Timothy chapter 3, turn there if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's look about these end times. We need to read this. And we've read it many times, many of you are very familiar. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, we'll read a few more verses in that, but verse 1 says this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Well, we're there. The word perilous means um, fierce. It means hard to do. It means hard to take a stand or an approach. Isn't that interesting? It means hard to bear up with or hard to endure. It means dangerous. It means harsh times. It means fierce times. It means savage times. Folks, we're there. It's getting worse. And we're Westerners. we, We are so prone to look at life through eyes of an American, through a Westerner. But we're just a little part of this globe, this world. But it's horrible what's going on in our world today. And we're told this in the scriptures. The second Timothy chapter three, look at it again, verse one. This know also, get this down, God's saying, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boy, are we there. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's just the Baptist church we're talking about here. Look at verse 5. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Now, that's not preached anymore. Let's include everybody. Let's get along. Let's, let's all the denominations agree. Let's, this is, that's not what it says. It says in verse 6, For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Wow. Now, for time's sake, we could read into chapter 3 and part of chapter 4, but uh, we we understand that this was foretold of what it would be like in the last days, and we are there, we've been there for quite some time. So what is needed today? People to stand. People to stand in the gap, people to stand up for God. But I wonder how many are willing to do such a thing? God said through Ezekiel 22, 30, he found none. What does the Lord see when he comes to our services? Does he see Christians that are sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ as much as they even used to be? Or have we settled for something far less in our homes, our marriages, with our families, with our individual lives? Saints, I'm trying to get you to see this morning, it's time for us to, in, in a most serious time here on this earth, to be serious for the Lord. I'm all for a good time. But listen, I'm all for uh, getaways. I'm all for vacations. I'm all for family. I'm all for enjoying a football game. All this stuff that brings enjoyment to our life. But we can't just park there and let it all be about us. We've got to take a stand. We have to say no to ourselves in some areas of our life that something better for God's glory and for God's kingdom and for the gospel. And so many are not there anymore. We are called in scripture to stand, to surrender to God, to submit to God, to serve God and be what he wants us to be. Again, my mind goes back as a young man sitting under a faithful preacher, and I mean, he'd skin us alive at times. He, he was that type of a preacher. He was the kind of preacher that cut your head off, put it in the lap, you know, put it, put it in the... And he'd try to fill you with some knowledge and put your head back on before you left the service. He's a rough old guy sometimes. Some of you are going... Mm, I remember. I wonder if we don't need a little bit more of that. You know, I, I'm not that guy. That's not my nature. Somebody said the other day, preacher, I loved it when you kicked the pulpit. It's been a while since I kicked the pulpit. You want to kick the pulpit? There you go. I kicked the pulpit. <laughs> and I understand. I was motivated that day, and I was stirred up that day. And sometimes that comes. From. Other times it's more teaching. Other times, it, you know. But I'm not a. I'm not a bulldog preacher, never have been. times I wanted to be, when I first started out, I was a little chihuahua. Nobody paid attention to me. I've gotten bigger like a bulldog, but people still don't pay attention to me. I wish people would pay attention to the Word of God, and whoever's behind the sacred desk is preaching truth, I wish people would pay attention to that and respond to that. We need more people to stand more than ever and surrender. That's a dirty word in the average church today. Yield, submit. People don't like that. Why? They don't want to be counted. We want to blend into society. We want a, an easy way. I'm trying to encourage us today. God's still looking for people to stand until he comes. Now 2 Samuel, that's our text that I want to get into heavily this morning we we read here about this man named Shammah (coughs) Shammah was a great warrior he was one of David's mighty men according to Scripture And he was a man that made a difference he was a man that promoted his king and the kingship and what of course the king wanted to accomplish one of David's mighty men. And there were three of them, for time's sake, I'll give you their names, so we won't read about it. One's name was Adino, and he was known because he slew 800 at one time. That's a bad dude, you're slaying 800 by yourself. And then there was a man named Eleazar, not the priest, but he fought against the Philistines, that's mentioned here in 2 Samuel 23 as well, until the Bible says the sword clave in his hand. You ever done something so long that you, you, you can't hardly pry your hand? You know, maybe you're painting or maybe you're hammering or whatever. Uh, here's a man that was in, a, in battle, and in he's he slaying people with that sword, and when it was all, he couldn't get the sword out of his hand. I mean, that's a mighty warrior. He had fought and fought and fought until he couldn't fight anymore. That's, that's one of David's mighty men. And Shammah here, in the scripture that we read, he defended a, a field of lentils. Till the enemy gave up. See, they were looking for food. They were trying to sustain their armies. And he was saying, oh, not not here. Not my watch. I'm going to stand here. And he fought until they quit fighting. Amen. Oh, that's the kind of mighty men we still need today. Men that will stand in the gap. Men that will fight on, not quit. Amen. That have the sword in their hand. That will defend truth until the enemy gives up. Boy, so many today are just giving in. And I want us to look about these men this morning. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 19. Let's read what it says here. It says um, uh, 19, it says, Was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. Now, here there was other great men in David's army this is referring to, but they never attained to those three. There was a standard. I think of us today, I look back at preachers in years gone by, they're kind of the example for preachers to be like them, to minister to like them, to, to stand like they stood. And boy, less and less are willing to take a stand in the pulpit anymore, much less the pew. And we need to say, boy, let's be men of God like so-and-so, men of God like so-and-so, women of God like so-and-so. They stood in their day and in their generation, and thank God they did. I was listening to a preacher the other day. Matter of fact, it was Rick Sowell in Toledo. He was on a message I heard on on, uh, on the internet. I was listening to him preach, and he had addressed his congregation about standards and staying with the King James Bible and things of that nature. And he said to his k- congregation, some of you don't care anymore, but where are your kids going to go to church? What kind of church will this church be? He said to his own church, when your grandchildren need a church. Right. and Boy, that struck my heart. That's good. We need to realize it's not just about us right now. It never has been about us. And as far as the church goes, hey, let's remember those that stood before us. And planted in our heads, and our hearts, the great things of God. And they stood. Thank God they stood. Time for us to stand. So preacher, I'm not worried. Once stood, then get back. Go back there. Stand again. Pick up your sword again. Keep fighting till the enemy gives up. He ain't going to give up. Satan knows he hath but a short time. Praise God for that. But they didn't quit. They didn't give in. So we see here in 2 Samuel 23, talking about the kind of men, the caliber of men, where we see, first of all, a divine commission. They were honorable men. That's an interesting word. These three chief men of David were honorable men, and the men that came after them were honorable men. They illustrate for us what God is looking for. Uh, this word honorable" is an inspiration, meaning they, they had the courage to stand. Why you know what the problem we had today We have to rally up some courage to stand against another liberal preacher or group we 're not fighting the enemy. We have, to, we have to stir up ourselves just to stand in this day against another brother. And other brothers and other churches that have gone the wrong way. Shama stood in the midst of the ground. And he stood against the enemies of God. But we're not, the church is not to be enemy of itself. Other brothers and sisters in Christ are not our enemies. But it's hard, it's hard to stand when you seem like you're standing all alone. These verses inspire the confidence to stand. These verses today inspire me the conviction to stand in an evil day. I had a conversation with a pastor this week and I just I had to take a stand. We had a disagreement. And as a pastor, I had to stand my ground. I, I don't know where our friendship will be because I didn't go along. See, that's the pressure of today. You have friends and family that want you to compromise. For the sake of the spirit of unity. The word grace was thrown around a lot. You know. <laughs> I needed a lot of grace. It, it, well, it, I'm trying to be a, a man of character. Trying to be a man of integrity. Trying to be a man of understanding. I, but at the same time, I, I, I talk to Christians today. And, and, and they're so mamby-pamby. They're, they're so indifferent. They're so shallow. Uh, they're so willing to give in to everybody in anything rather than stand. Amen. Man, we got to have people that stand today. David had men that was, and they were men that God said were honorable. I don't care if everybody else thinks I'm honorable. I want God to think I'm honorable. Don't you want God to think you're honorable? Well, I want everybody to like me. Hey, get this down. Not everybody's going to like you. And if you take a stand for God, there'll be fewer and fewer that will like you. But you know, I like it when God likes me. I like it when God's pleased with me. Honorable. This has to do with one's glory. It has a meaning of hardened by war. It means uh, men of great promotion or worthy of promotion. You know, I want to be a man in God's eyes that he'll say, now... Uh, well done, Stephen, thou good, when I get there, well done, well done. Many a good man, many a good woman has faced our Lord, and they've heard those sweet words. Hmm. The Bible says in Galatians, talking about standing, it says in Galatians 5, 1, stand fast, therefore, no matter what's happening, stand fast. Ephesians 6, 14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the blessed Breastplate of righteousness, Philippians four one. Therefore, my beloved, dear uh, brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy, my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Second Thessalonians two fifteen. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And the message over and over in our Bible is stand, take a stand, take a stand, take a stand. You've heard this. You know, stand for something. You're bound to fall for anything and that's where the church is today and we're not making a difference. Matter of fact, sometimes the world looks at us and says, I don't see a difference between you and me. Why do I got to go to your church? Why do I got to listen to you? So what are we going to do, Christians? Are we going to stand in this evil day? Or here's the options. Are we going to cower? Are we going to fold? Are we going to compromise some more? Are we going to give in, give up, give over? This is perilous times. This is time to stand. Here's a question: Can God and can your pastor trust you, count on you, depend on you, rely on you to take a stand? You know, I'm I'm sad for the many local churches in our community that do not exist anymore. I'm I'm sad for the local churches that in this in this community that used to be strong for God and they're very weak today. I'm concerned about many of the local churches in these com- communities that they they have they, given out Sunday night services. They've given they've gone to cell groups. They've gone to uh, uh, what's what's I'm um, um, thinking of the phrase kumbaya. I call it kumbaya Christianity and more and more are getting on that bandwagon and less and less are standing. So then people that take a stand are the enemy. They're the problem. They're the troublemakers. My goodness. Second of all, I want you to see a dangerous conflict. 2 Samuel chapter 23, look at verse 13 in our text, 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse 13. And uh, we read, and the three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Raphidim. And David was there in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David, I like this part, and David longed and said, Oh, that one would give the drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof but poured it out unto the Lord. He was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed by their offering to him as their king that they risked their life just as a a desire, a, 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 a kind of a slip of the tongue, in other words, I, I wish I had a drink. He's, he's thinking of his his boyhood days, he, he's thinking of a time, he's he's reminiscing, if you would, he's weary from battle, and he makes this simple statement. He, he's tired of running and hiding. He's, he's tired, he, he's spent from battle. He makes this passing statement. And these three loyal men to their king, they consider what he's asking. They, they pack up, they go and do what they think is their duty. They go in harm's way and they go to the gate, which was dangerous, the Philistines had control. They gather up that water and they bring it back to the king just so he'd be pleased. They, they wanted to bring pleasure to their king. Oh my goodness, if we could take that as an application. What brings pleasure to our King, the Lord Jesus? What can we do that would bring him some measure of pleasure? You know what it'll take? It'll take dying to self. It'll take denial of self. And not thinking what we want, what we think we need. But what would glorify God? What would bring him most honor? Honorable people will think that way. And that's where these three were. Oh the type of Christianity we need back today is for self-denial and to serve our King for he is so worthy that we would not think about what we want out of life but what God wants out of our life. Young people, what does God want out of your life? Where does he want you to go for training? What kind of a stand does He want you to take? Who does He want you to marry? What kind of a ministry might He ask you to do? Listen, I, I mentioned to you, listen, when I was 19, I was coming out of the world. But God was speaking to me. I was still a teenager. And God was dealing with me about my life. And I had dreams and ambitions and wants. But God was moving. I... Is God moving in your life, young person? He ought to be, and you ought to want him to. Well, he might want me to do this or that. So be it. Young couples, older Christians, do you still have within you whatever God wants? Not what you want, what makes it comfortable, but what... See, God looking for somebody to make a stand for him. To stand in the gap, make a difference. This, uh, this isn't easy, to be completely honest with you. It never has been, never will be. There's an internal conflict. We have a self that wants its way. There's an external conflict. There's outward sin. Our flesh uh, desires certain things. There's an infernal conflict. There's a Satan that will tempt us and try to get us off track. Amen. And he'll try to oppose us, oppress us. He'll throw obstacles in the way. I remember when I did finally make a decision to leave uh, what I was going to do. Corporate accounting, what I was going to do. Try to raise up in Ford Motor Company that I worked at. Everything seemed to be getting in the way of that decision to follow Christ. I'd sell out and this happened. I'd try to sell out here and this happened. I mean, some serious stuff happened during those days. And I almost quit. Thank God for a good wife that was just a young woman. And would say to me, we need to follow the Lord, honey. And when I was weak. And at times where she showed me. Uh, the commitment of standing, then there'd be times when she'd be weak and thank God we weren't on the same page the same day. Where is that anymore? What has happened to that? Is there no need? Is there less need today as back then? Of course not. There's more need than there's ever been. But who's willing to make that stand? Say no to yourself and what you want, your dreams, your ambitions. What God wants. He's worthy. It's like those three men. They just heard a little suggestion of their king about a drink of water from a, a boyhood well. He probably went back to the days when they around that well with family and friends. It was a happy time. He was he was under duress. He was under stress. Saul was hounding him. I mean, the battle with the Philistines was rough and and He just made that, this, that, that casual statement but they took it seriously because it was their king and they wanted to bring pleasure to him and when they brought that to him he didn't juggle it down. He was so moved. He, he, it was, a, it was a, a, a point of worship and he poured that water out. It wasn't a waste. He said, Why did he do that? That broke their heart. Those men risked their life. No, he gave it to the Lord. It was so holy, it was so special that he couldn't partake it. He had to say, this belongs to the Lord. Have you made any offerings like that to God lately? Any sacrifices like that? What's happened to those? Where we look beyond us, not what we could afford, not what, oh, we could still do this and, and give a little of that. What about giving what you can't afford? What about giving beyond your means? What about giving you know, up something that you really got your heart on for what would please God? Huh. It's not just money. It might be picking up the holiness in your life. Separation in your life. Devotion. In your life. We see a divine commission. We see a dangerous conflict. Thirdly. We see a definite commitment. In Second Samuel 23. But he stood it says. And I like this. And the people fled from the Philistines. Boy Shammah made a difference. <sighs> Philistines were formidable foes. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't easy to deal with. But Shammah at that point made a commitment to sell out for the king, David, for his kindred, his people, for his kingdom, the nation of Israel. And the Lord still is looking for men and women and young people that will take a stand for your king, Jesus, for the people of God, the church, the church that Jesus Christ bled and died for, for his kingdom to come. In John 17, thy kingdom come, thy Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ought to be living our life just like it would be for the Lord up there. Right? That's what he's saying. It's talking about a commitment to Christ. The word commitment is defined as this. Listen, this is an important word. We're going to define it for you. Commitment, what does that mean? The state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, an activity, group, or individual. You know, in the body of Christ, and I'm not saying this is all wrong. But some of God's people are, are more committed to something out there in the world than they are to what's going on in the church and in the kingdom of Christ. Some things are worthy. Some things are important. But they don't trump the most important thing. You understand that? Maybe some of you don't. I used a, I, I used a worldly word, trumped. I mean... not President Trump. Don't even go there. But We get committed to certain causes and we give ourselves to them. What about the cause of Christ? How dedicated are we to the cause of Christ? The things of Christ, the things going on. What more could we do? And and still get involved in things that are important. Good night. God needs Christian people involved in certain aspects to, to make a difference. To be salt and light. But not in the place of the most important thing is the service of the Lord, the house of God, and things of God, and the kingdom of Christ, and the gospel say. So these men made a pledge and they made a decision. And we're moving on to close. A decisive conquest took place when this happened. These men stood up and stepped out and a great conquest was made. Look at 2 Samuel 23, I'm, I'm not wrapping it up, so some of you who have been sleeping, wake up here, you're gonna get the last point. 2 Samuel 23, look at verse eight. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tecmonite that sat in the, in, in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino the uh, Esnite. The, uh, he lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time, and after that was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. How would you like to be the son of Dodo? And a white, he was from Ohio, uh, out of the th- and one of the three mighty men with David, when they defiled the Philistines, they were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. And he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And here it is, And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. Didn't say they wrought a great victory, said the Lord wrought a great victory that day. How did he do it? Through them? Maybe that's why we don't see many victories today. We're doing it all ourselves, rather than do it for the Lord's honor and glory. And the Lord shows up and he gains the victory, but he uses us. Right? And it says, and the Lord gained a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Now. Let me mention these and I'm done. A divine conquest took place. God wrought a great victory through and by these men. It was a, uh, it was a degrading victory in the sense that they overwhelmed their enemies. The Philistines went running. How embarrassing. It must have been that day. Just a handful of mighty men took on the whole Philistine garrison and they went packing. Hmm. When when they got back to their leaders, uh, well, how many how many did they have? Three. How many were you? Yeah, but this one guy he killed eight hundred of our men all by himself. <laughs> how degrading! Amen. A delivering victory. The people were emancipated. Verse twelve. They were set free. Set free. So. My conclusion this morning is David had these men that loved him and were loyal to them and devoted to him. Amen? And the Lord is still looking for such today. And I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but have found none. Do we have anyone that's willing to stand to make a change in this world? For God, that the world might look and say, "Boy, they're different." That's an unusual family. That's an unusual young man. He's living like, he's living like, uh, not like us. Like, like some church kid. Like some Christian young man. Well, that couple's different. We don't want to be different. I've seen this happen so much. We don't want to be different than the world because we don't want the scorn of the world. We want to get along. That's what this contemporary stuff's all about. Blending. Let's not be different. Let's accept things. You're not going to find that in your Bible. Be separated. Oh, who's going to stand? Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed this morning. I'll ask a few questions and we'll give the invitation today. I'll ask this question. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Are you sure? I mean, 100%, do you know Jesus? Here's another question. Does the Lord know you love him? Say, so I love the Lord. Does the Lord know you love him? Does the Lord know that you're standing for him? You've made a stand. Here's what these three men did for their sovereign. Here's the last question. Does the Lord know that you would do whatever he wants you to do? He wants you to do. Does he know that you're willing to do whatever he wants you to do? Father, I pray that you take now this invitation and make it a special one. I pray for those that have come and those that will come. Lord, we pray for your will concerning this invitation. Lord, as a church, as a body, as a family, help us to stand, Lord, for you in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand, if we would,